Hey, do you prefer to find the joy in life or do you just want some help with that? If so, you're in the right place. So come on in and join the Joy Bunny clan. This is the My Slice of Life podcast. Welcome to the My Slice of Life podcast and welcome to a new season. And this season I'm being completely selfish and self-indulgent and I am going on a topic which I just love. Now, as the My Slice of Life podcast is all about things that bring us joy, this topic really brings me joy and I'm hoping it will bring you joy too or you can understand where I'm coming from. Season four, the question I am asking is what's so super about the supernatural? This is the first episode in the new season and this week we are taking a look at vampires. I've got to be really honest I think this is my favourite topic ever. I'm obsessed. I can, I'm going to just confess to you, I am absolutely obsessed with vampires. What I want to do with this whole season with you is go through various topics and where I can, I will be throwing in some true stories, some personal experiences, because believe it or not, I've got quite a few stories to share with you. I can also point you in the direction of other podcasts which cover true stories to do with the supernatural as well if you're interested in that and I really hope you are because I just love this stuff. So vampires is what we're starting with and I just wanted to kick off with a quick look at the origin of the word vampire. Now I've been looking up various channels and I've got a book that I can refer you to. It's quite a basic one but There's loads and loads of books on this subject, but they all seem to agree that in the 18th century, all the folklore tales coming from like the more Slavic countries, that seems to be where it started from, how they had all these mythical stories and about creatures who would be bringing dead bodies back to life, that sort of thing. Now, the Serbian word, it looks like vampir, V-A-M-P-I-R, And there's also a Hungarian word, which is very similar, that they kind of think that's where it's coming from, but Slavic countries in particular. So there's a lot of debate about where the word actually comes from, but to kind of summarise it, they reckon it comes from the Balkans and these uh, Eastern European countries, and that's where where we get the word vampire from. Now, what I didn't know was there was quite so many different types of vampire. Like, we all know there's blood drinkers, okay? We know, we know about them. Um, you know, they, they have to drink fresh human blood or animal blood to stay alive and it keeps their undead existence going. So we've all heard about them. But did you know there's actually myths from all around the world about these creatures? We're talking like from ancient Babylon, from Greece to Asia, and then again back to the Balkans, where the modern myth of these blood-sucking vampires was actually originated from. This is all over the place, and the more I read about it, this idea of these creatures coming from, you know, dead bodies needing human blood to live, this is everywhere. I'll come back to that later. Um, I think you'd be quite surprised. I was surprised to find out it was all over the place. Another type of vampire, the bit I've got here is just called it a psi vampire, but I would say it's like a psychic vampire. Like they're needing the life force from humans. Um, so they don't physically harm you, but they drain you. The victims maybe don't notice the vampires feeding on their energy and you can end up feeling very, very tired and quite fatigued. Now, here's a weird thing. I used to work in an office, um, 
I won't say where it was, but I sat beside this girl and I, without knowing this term even existed, I called her, not behind her back, it was just me, for you know, in my brain I called her an energy vampire. She drained the life out of me. And I don't know if it was done on purpose, I noticed she had that effect on certain types of people and it got to the point I just couldn't be near her. I was exhausted after even an hour of just being near her or talking to her. So I wonder, was that just coincidence or did I actually encounter a psychic vampire? Have you ever heard of an emphatic vampire? Or the other name for them is elemental. They can feed on the emotions of people around them. Uh, most often positive energies such as happiness and love but they can use negative energies as well apparently. So that's another new one that they're feeding on your emotions not just your energy but they want your emotions as well. Now you've probably heard of the kind of sexual vampires such as the female succubus or the male incubus. I think they're words that a lot of people will know about and you can imagine how they sustain their life force. They need the energy that they absorb during sex and that's apparently been reported by some people that they've encountered these things. Touch wood, I never have. I don't want to. They sound horrific. You might think, oh yeah, that sounds fantastic. If you've ever heard one described, not so good. I'll come Again, I'll come back to that at the end and tell you uh, some of the podcasts that go into these stories in more detail. Now, Similar to the kind of energy sucking vampires, another category is a soul vampire, which feed, as you can imagine, on the soul energy of the victim and apparently can shorten their lifespan visibly or actually just kill them from excessive feeding, which I've never heard of. And the last one, I mean, there are quite a few categories, but the last one I want to mention here, and it will come up later as well, which is why I want to go through it, is it looks like a Damphir, it's D-H-A-M-P-I-R and I don't know if it's, if you just say Damphir or if the D-H comes out like a P or a V, you know, some languages change it, um, and they are kind of half vampires. According to the belief of uh, Slavic people, and in particular we're looking at Serbia here, during the first 40 days after the person dies, there's a good chance if the burial in the morning ceremonies were not adequate, that the evil spirit will enter the body, reanimate it and return it to the living, where it can cause revenge and destruction and death. So I thought I hadn't heard of these, but apparently I am very well aware of at least one of them, which we have in a movie and I will come to that later. Now the various Slavic countries, I mean a lot of it comes from there, they describe these Damphirs or vampires in different ways. Uh, Serbian legends describe them as like energetic kids. Um, Bulgarian legends speak of them as being really filthy and most of them agree that a child born from a human mother and an evil spirit will take on these kind of forms that they'll have unique abilities um, which they gain from the vampire father. And one of the most well-known ones, which I didn't know this is what he counted as, is Blade. If you've ever seen the film Blade with Wesley Snipes, that's what he is. He has a human mother and a vampire father. So that's the story of his kind of vampire. Now, probably the most well-known vampire 
to anybody is Count Dracula. And you may be aware that that name came from Vlad the Impaler or Vlad the Third Dracul. He was, oh, he was around in like 1431 to 1476, well-known historical figure because of the way he treated his enemies by, as you've guessed it, impaling them. It sounds absolutely disgusting. A defender of Christian faith, which sounds not very comfortable with that. Romania now was Transylvania then. Um, he was defending the area from Turkish invaders, and his father actually, uh, with other people, they set up this order of Dracul, which means the dragon. So he became known as the son of the dragon and Vlad became known then as Dracula or son of a dragon. That's what that will mean. Now, apparently his father and his brother were uh, killed in horrific ways, especially his brother who was blinded by a red-hot iron, staked and then burned alive. So this guy, Dracul or Dracula, Vlad, he decided he was going to show no mercy for his captives and his enemies either. It is said that during his reign he staked between 40 and 100,000 men, women and children in addition to burning countless villages, towns and fortresses to the ground. I don't think anybody knows the real number. I have seen all different kinds of numbers. There's also stories saying that he sometimes dined on a table surrounded by hundreds of impaled victims. I don't know how true that is, but going by the rest of it, I wouldn't be surprised. So he was one person, they said, I mean, there's stories about how he may have drank the blood, he may have just enjoyed butchering them. But have you heard of Elizabeth Bathory? Now, this lady, in inverted commas, uh, oh my god, there's films about her as well, very well known. So Elizabeth Bathory was born in Hungary in 1560. And I'm not, I don't think she was part of a royal family, but she was always near the royal family or part of a, you know, the aristocracy and the well-to-do. And she married into another well-to-do family at at the age of 14 and then she was married for 29 years until her husband died and then she obtained control over the area and reigned over that area but by all accounts there were uh, stories in the area of people going missing uh, first of all servant girls and nobody really paid that much attention which is quite tragic um but then when the castle staff more and more were disappearing and then local girls were disappearing there were a lot of whispers and rumours. There is a story of how um, she hit a servant girl and drew blood. The blood dripped on her hand and when she wiped the, the blood off, she thought her skin looked fresher and younger. And it started her thinking, hmm, maybe I can use this stuff. Legend has it she was quite a vain woman, so she became obsessed with this blood and she started basically kidnapping girls and killing them, using their blood to either drink or bath in. Uh, she was well known to bathe in the blood of her victims. She did get found out. Um, the, the reports, they couldn't hide it anymore. And the king, who was the ruler of Austria, Bohemia and Hungary, finally sent uh, investigators to find out what was going on. They did find out what she was up to. But uh, on the 30th of December in 1610, Elizabeth Bathory and four of her servants were arrested because she didn't obviously do this on her own. 
Now, she was taken to her castle, bricked up in a room, and kept there until her death uh, four years later. But her servants had a very public trial. Now, she didn't have a public trial because they didn't want her to bring shame on the royal family and the aristocracy of at that time. Her servants, however, <laughs> all four of them were found guilty of the murder of... They reckon around 80 women, but there was a lot of speculation that the number could be at least five times more than that. Two of her servants were uh, tied to a stake and burned alive after their fingers were were severed off. One was beheaded and one was sent to prison for life. And like I say, she kind of got off light, if you ask me, compared to what they had to put up with. Then again, don't do the crime. If you can, do the time. Now, another word that I came across when I was looking up a lot of this stuff, because I didn't want to just sit and say, oh yeah, I've heard of vampires, you know, they don't like garlic, they don't like sunlight, you have to stake them in the heart. Have you heard of Stregoi, the vampires in Romania? It's a, a character from Romanian mythology. Stregoi apparently means to scream. The the original story comes from ancient Greek and Roman legend and I'm going to mention a couple more of them later but this one uh, deals with something called Strix, S-T-R-I-X which is a kind of bird-human mix. It's I've seen pictures of, you know, when they carry them into the stone, they look horrible, uh, which these things fed on human blood and flesh, also known as vampires. But these strigoi that they talk about in Romanian mythology, these things are considered quite lethargic and drowsy during the day, very active during the night, attacking victims at night, leaving teeth marks. And they had a whole lot of uh, beliefs around these things as well. It was thought uh, as well strigoi could manifest as poltergeist, you know, the, the kind of troublesome ghost, which would you know, make things fly about and cause all sorts of mayhem. They said it could turn into a witch, it could transform into an animal. They also said it could be a, a dead strigoi, like a troubled spirit of the dead rising from the grave and returning to their family, which sounds absolutely horrific. Now, the gypsies apparently believed in exhuming the dead body of the person believed to be a strigoi, removing the heart, cutting it in two and putting a nail in the forehead. Hmm. They did a whole lot of other things, but a big thing seems to be putting the body back in the grave face down so that if they wake up and start digging their way out, they just dig their way further into earth. And there are a lot of stories like this all through Eastern Europe from what I could see. Now, just a quick note of the other names of creatures that I did come up with and and find for this term vampire. From the ancient Mesopotamia, and apparently adapted into Hebrew tradition, is Lilith. I'm sure many of you will have heard of her. Lamia, from ancient Greece and Rome. The uh, Strix that I've already mentioned, uh, again from ancient Rome, and on and on it goes. Now, I did find a book which is actually called The Vampire Book, The Legends, The Lore and The Allure by Sally Regan. And in that, she talks about legends from all other countries, such as Ireland, Scotland... Wales. I'm going to be honest. She called it like you know, the Celtic countries, and I've never heard of any of those things. And most of the the stuff in the book, I can't even pronounce them. She has got myths about vampire tales or vampiric creatures from Africa, India, Southeast Asia, China, 
the Caribbean, South and Central America. I couldn't pronounce any of them. That's why I'm just giving you the countries. But these things, or the stories of them, are everywhere. Now, of course, you can't talk about vampires without talking about the literature surrounding vampires. Now, they say the story came into Europe in the written form thanks to John Polidori, who wrote The Vampire in 1819. So that was one of the first ones. Now, there's also a very well-known one called Carmilla. And the big one, of course, is Bram Stoker's Dracula, who really captured the imagination. From what I could make out, though, it didn't really take off at the time. It wasn't until afterwards that that, you know, really caught people's imaginations. Now, Bram Stoker, he took the, the legends, the superstitions of the Slavic people. There were also legends at the time that he heard about people being, you know, buried alive. And don't forget, they didn't know as much about decomposition and body decomposition, so they wouldn't have known that, you know, if they saw, say they dug a body up and they actually saw um, your hair and nails appear longer when you lose the moisture in the body, the skin at the nails actually see, comes back a bit and it makes it look like the nails have grown longer. Which, of course, in those days, they wouldn't have known about that. So there were a lot of things in the day that caused a lot of superstition and like things that they didn't know about. And that's what he used and really made a fantastic story out of that. Now, modern day literature, I mean, you can have at it. And this is where I have to confess. Vampire Diaries, The Morganville Vampires, Usuki Stackhouse novels, which was made into True Blood series on TV. I've just about read them all now. And I absolutely love them. You've also got, don't forget, uh, Anne Rice with the Interview with the Vampire. And I think there's is that a series of 10 books I think she's done. Charlene Harris is the woman who wrote the the True Blood Suki Stackhouse series. L.J. Smith, we can thank for the Vampire Diaries. Um, there's just, every shop you go to, there's always a section on vampires. So common accepted facts about vampires. We all seem to believe, yes, they'll drink blood because they need our blood to keep them alive, that they have mind control or glamouring, as they call it these days, and they can make you believe or forget certain things, depending on what they want from you. Uh, how they reproduce, well, not like us, they turn humans into vampires to increase their numbers. It's also accepted that to kill a vampire, you have to stake them through the heart, expose them to sunlight, decapitation, all those nice things. And we all seem to have this accepted knowledge or agreement that they don't like garlic, they don't like anything to do with crucifixes and Christianity. Common belief as well, vampires don't have a reflection due to their soulless nature. I did actually come across this thing where apparently medieval times people with red hair were regarded as vampires. I take it after the whole vampire thing became known in the West. And apparently in ancient Greece, people believed that redheads turned into vampires after death and the ancient Greeks would burn the dead bodies of redheads before burial in order to prevent them from rising from the grave. So I'd never heard that before. I thought that was quite interesting. So with all that being said... And with all the books that are out there, from the very beginning, The Vampire, to Carmilla, to Bram Stoker's Dracula, to The Vampire Diaries, to the Suki Stackhouse novels that became a True Blood TV show, you've got Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's the Blade series, there's Underworld. I mean, these are just things that are coming off the top of my head. Have I got any others? I mean, there are so many movies. Interview with the Vampire. 
Um, there's just thousands and thousands of movies. So what is it about vampires that we are so fascinated with? What is it? And I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think this is why I've actually found this quite a difficult uh, episode to do. More difficult than I thought. I thought it'd be really easy. I love vampires. I've been reading about them, watching the movies about them for years. Years. Ever since the, the Hammer House film. So Christopher Lee, I mean, to me, he was Dracula when I was a kid. Fantastic movies. Why are we so obsessed with them? And I'm reading what is classed as youth fiction or young adult fiction. I think it's YA they call it now. Instead of stuff from my own age, I'm going to be 50 this year and I can't get enough of this stuff. Why? Is it because as I'm getting older, these creatures don't age and I'm jealous of that? I want that. Is it because they are so powerful and as humans, a lot of us, if we're really honest, feel powerless day to day? Is it because they get to wear great clothes, they don't put weight on, they don't get wrinkles, they can do whatever they like and they can take care of problems? Would life be easier if we could just drain the blood of people who get in our way? I don't know. I don't know. Why are we so obsessed with these creatures? And here's another big question. And this is a question that only came to me within the last couple of months. Are vampires entirely fictional? Are they just legend? Are they really purely mythical? If you go to a podcast called Paranormal Roundtable, and if you don't know it, it's something I've recently found. The guy there tells story, retails accounts he's been given. Apparently true accounts a lot of other creatures that I will be covering later in this season. But he does have some stories where people swear they encountered real vampires. And I would encourage you, if you are interested at all, to go and find Paranormal Roundtable. Type in vampires. He has a couple of episodes where it's purely about vampires and some are covered in his, what he calls, potluck, where he discusses other topics as well. I had never thought in my wildest dreams that these creatures could possibly exist. And it has blown my mind wide open. So now I'm going to hand this over to you. Go and, really, go and have a listen to those episodes from Paranormal Roundtable. Come back and let me know. What do you think? Do you think those stories are real? Do you think people are encountering these creatures? Do they really exist? Genuinely want to know what you think because I'm really starting to wonder. So that's it for this week, friends. I hope you've enjoyed that. And I do sincerely hope you go and listen to that other episode. Come back and let me know what you think. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. I'll be coming back next week with another topic looking at what's so super about the supernatural. And next week I have a true personal encounter I want to share with you. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. This was new to me until it happened to me. Check out the links below. You know where to find them. And until next time, friends, you take care of yourself.